These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Jen Nation, the Executive Director of Hollywood Gardens and Learning Center in National City. Uh, welcome to Healthcare Untold, Jen. Good morning, Barbara. Thank you for having me today. Well, share with us the incredible work that Hollywood Gardens and Learning Center is doing in improving the leadership and health of the communities of National City. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to start with a little bit of history of Olivewood Gardens and Learning Center. Our organization as the result of a gift. In 2005-2006, Christy and John Walton made the decision to donate their historic home and nearly, at the time, six and a half acres of uh-huh. property to the International Community Foundation. And when they did that, there was one kind of caveat, and that was that they wanted to leverage the organization um, to promote healthy uh, living and healthy communities. And I think the one thing that they did really well, uh, everybody in the beginning, uh, was really involve the community voice into what they wanted the center to be. And when Christy and John lived at the home, they had a son, Lucas. And when he was three, he was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer. And they did all the traditional treatments and nothing was really working. Um, You know, his future wasn't looking good. And so they decided they had heard lots of feedback from friends and and even doctors who said, why don't you try to switch up his diet? So Christy planted um, about a half acre organic garden and grew all kinds of healthy food and started juicing. They took all the processed food away and started making juices, which neighbors still talk about their kids coming over and having juice with Lucas. And so they did this. And within a few months, Lucas's cancer had stopped spreading. And so that's kind of where the beginning of this power of what food can really do to your body, you know, came into play for olive wood. So when the home was donated, there was already this amazing, um, well-cultivated organic gardening that was thriving and listening to the community and what the needs were. It was clear that there was lack of access to healthy food and health, uh, health was a real, um, issue, especially around type two diabetes and some other diet-related diseases that were happening at a higher rate in National City than they were in other parts of the community. So the International Community Foundation, who does amazing bi-national work um, across the border, primarily in Mexico and Central America, they didn't run programs. And so they they founded Olive Wood Gardens. And initially, uh, the organization started, we had this great garden, we were growing food, uh, we partnered with UC San Diego uh, Health Center and sent some of the food there and then started this really, um, which has become a phenomenal partnership with National School District, where students started coming to Olivewood to learn about environmental science and nutrition education. And it was definitely a combination that was so important. A lot of times people learn about growing food or they learn about nutrition, but not really that whole life cycle of growing food, eating healthy food. Um, and so that's really kind of how we started. Um, as Olive Wood grew, um, the kids were excited. They loved the programs. 
they were going home and telling their parents what they were doing. And the parents started calling us asking questions, really trying to learn more about the recipes, more about the food. Really, we were taking just traditional meals and kind of turning them upside down by adding more fruits and vegetables or healthier grains. And so as these parents started calling, uh, we started uh, a new program, which I'll talk more about, I'm sure later, which is called Cooking for Salud. And that program uh, is really blossomed into probably our, probably what we're best known for, our Cooking for Salud program is this eight week program. And when people end the program, they become kitchenistas. And I'll talk more about that here, I'm sure in a minute. I love that name. I love that name. And you know, um, it's so incredible um, in terms of National City for the listening audience is a border city. And um, I can't even imagine, you know, I, I come from the area of San Diego, born in San Diego, actually, in, in National City. And I, I, I don't even see with the six acres. That's a pretty incredible amount of land. That's a beautiful gift from the Walton family for sure. So yeah, tell us, absolutely. Tell us about that kitchenista. So I was so impressed with that. Yeah, I would love to. So as I mentioned, the parents started calling and, and asking questions and they they wanted to make changes for their family. And of course, a lot of times kids have the enthusiasm and parents have the influence on how they spend their money or what they cook. Um, so even though we were sending home these new newly inspired chefs, you know, they were only 10 years old. So uh, those, the parents were calling us we realized that we were missing a really important audience and that was the adults. And so at the time a program was started, it was called kitchen commandos. I think there was one season of that and it morphed into this cooking for salute program. And we just graduated our 24th cohort, which is amazing. And we have nearly 400 graduates of the program, which are the kitchenistas. And so in this eight week program, this cooking for salute program participants join and they it's kind of multifaceted. They really learn about health and nutrition. They learn about how they can take any, any meals that they're already cooking and adding fruits, vegetables, eating less sugar, how to make healthier salad dressings, just, just simple things that they can do that make a huge difference in, you know, the amount of healthy food they're eating versus maybe food that's more processed. And so as this program has grown, it's always after every single session, there's a whole bunch of debriefing um, and the program just continues to grow. And it's all led by kitchenistas who are the graduates of this program. And so I think not only is it powerful because we're teaching people how to make these decisions that really impact their families and their communities on how they're buying food, what kind of food they're buying and what they're cooking, but it's also led by their peers. And so it's people that went through the program. They're similar in terms of maybe they're in the same neighborhood or they have kids that go to the same school, or it's it's easy to build community when you're with people that are going through maybe similar, um, similar things that are happening in their lives. So the Kitchenistas, after they graduate, started with this small group of primarily women. We definitely have some men that have been through the program and are really trying to be as inclusive as possible. So it's open to anybody. Um, historically, it's been primarily women, but anybody's welcome. Um, and so the kitchenistas become promotoras in their community. They're out um, advocating for health and um, advocating for more access to better food choices. Um, for a cleaner environment. They're doing a lot of food justice and food um, health equity work as well. 
right now we have kitchenistas out um, teaching people about uh, moss fresca, which is a way that you can get more fruits and vegetables um, with, through like your EBT card. And so they're really leaders in the community. And what's I think most unique, again, it's led by them. So it's not it's not me coming in saying, hey, you should learn this. It's really what's important, what's happening in your life, whether it's emotional, mental, physical health, um, more nutrition, education, or just a place to gather and, and be in community. And so the Kitchenistas have, um, like I said, they're they're doing all kinds of projects in the community. And they're also just being those advocates in their own homes that are making these these huge impacts on where they buy food and, and what they cook and um and who you know who else is being involved in that influence so i think it's really it's a really amazing program well the cooks in the kitchen are the ones that kind of direct how we're going to be taking in our nutritional uh intake right absolutely and, <laughs> um, my understanding is in national city you have one of the highest obesity and diabetes rates in the state of california and have you seen a change or have you been able to measure any of that in terms of the impact of your program yeah, that's a really good question. You know, that's an unfortunate statistic. And it's definitely not a lack of people who have interest in eating differently. It's really National City is such a small community. And there's unfortunately quite a concentration of, of fast food restaurants and, and other places to eat, a lack of healthy food um, in, in grocery stores, you know, Trader Joe's or Sprouts, unfortunately, is not in National City. Um, and so I think we have seen some changes. We have done a few programs um, in partnership with um, USD, where we've measured um, different statistics of people pre and post coming through the program and have seen uh, statistically significant results in dropping A1C and some other health indicators. I think what we see more is just people out in the community doing the advocacy work. And I think that's where we see the real change of going in front of city council and asking, maybe let's not have as many fast food restaurants, or maybe let's bring in some healthier options in terms of grocery stores. How, how can we as a community um, come together? We're currently working uh, with a lot of community members, a lot of kitchenistas um, and with Mundo Gardens, which is another nonprofit in National City and the Environmental Health Coalition in National City on looking at food systems work and what does that look like for National City being such a small community inside this big city of San Diego and this big county what does it really look like on a micro level in National City and using that community voice and us as nonprofits to be able to you know support some of the work that community members want to do because these are these health statistics aren't aren't fun to share, you know, we'd rather be sharing all of the really exciting things that are happening. And so knowing that this is kind of hovering over over the heads of National City residents is something that's really important to people who are in this community to help change. Well, food deserts um, are very common in, in poor communities. And what you'll find is in these fast food uh, restaurants, that's where many cities build their tax base. So it really sure. is a uh, educational piece to the um, politicians of a community of how to change uh, the direction for the communities to eat better and have better access to foods. Uh, coming from the Bay Area, there's communities within kind of little national cities within the city of San Francisco where you won't find, um, you know, grocery stores, like you say. And um, 
with good uh, produce. And so it is, it does take communities uh, like what you're leading, Jen, in terms of really changing the, the footprint of what's going on in a community and really influencing uh, the politics to include, um, you know, liquor stores that have fresh produce, because that's one place that, uh, you know, you'll find in every corner in a poor community is a liquor store. And so have you done any of those kinds of access issues in terms of National City? We have, and thank you for bringing that up. I, I do want to say, you know, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of this, we we have, you know, the term food desert. There's also the term food apartheid, and that's really kind of what we're looking at in terms of these built systems, these systemic uh, neighborhoods that are built in a way that just don't necessarily, you know, are racially discriminative, and you know, the food access has been such a in a uh, long-term systemic issue that it's, you know, it's a lot to, to come uh, overcome, but we have, and I'm glad you asked that. We have nearly eight acres now. We we had, a, we're gifted an additional acre um, from the uh, um, International Community Foundation that they had preemptively purchased or uh, cut, you know, when the, when, or, when the organization was founded, which ended up being kind of a, um, it was just very exciting for us because we knew that this land existed and to be able to have access to it has helped us, especially in the pandemic, um, have more space to grow food. Um, we have eight acres now and some of that is hillside. So we're really strategic um, on how we're growing food and where we're growing it on our property. But we have a partnership right now with an organization called Brightside Produce, and it is part of San Diego State University. It's a program where they purchase food from small farms and then work in communities to put food, healthy food, in corner stores, primarily liquor stores or bodegas on um, in communities. And National City was one of the first communities that Brightside Produce started working with. Since we're right there, we, you know, over time, you know, we would give a couple, some cilantro here and there, some onions here and there, and the partnership has really blossomed. Last year, we were able to grow a lot more food that was able to go right down the street into the corner store. So the, the environmental impact is minimal. Uh, we're growing the food. They're transporting it down to these corner stores. Um, Brightside has done some really great work and the corner stores have been phenomenal as well. They have to be invested in this and understand why it's so important as well. Um, I know Brightside recently acquired a bunch of um, coolers, um, the coolers that they sell, that they have in, in these stores so that the produce can stay a little bit longer, which is, I think, really important as well. The, the shelf stable life of some things isn't as long and it's a risk for corner stores to take that on. But I think the what SD or what um, Brightside Produce has has communicated to us is that they're definitely seeing food go. It's going off the shelves a lot at a faster rate than what they were maybe anticipating, and so that's a a growing pain as well for us to see if we can keep up with the demand. It's such an exciting thing to have to try to problem solve, but knowing that this exists and that this is a growing program gives us you know, reason to, you know, we're trying to put more recipes attached to some of that food or things that we can help people with if they're unsure what to do with some of the food. But Brightside is really able to see what the trends are. The corner store owners know, hey, this is probably not going to sell and this might sell. So for us, you know, eight acres sounds like a lot, but we also have to balance, you know, the food that we're growing for our programs and the food that we're growing um, for our produce stand and then food that we're also trying to grow for the National School District. So it's a it's a fun problem to try to solve, but it's it's great that people are interested and they're picking up food and they're having more access, which is what we're what we wanted. 
I love those kind of problems, right? Right. <laughs> people wanting people wanting fresh food, and you trying to meet that need. Absolutely. How, how is the local food bank in your area? Are you are you connected to those and partnered with those? We're not too much, you know. We know that um, feeding San Diego and the and the Jacobs Cushman Food Bank exists, and we know that if we need them, we can reach out to them. Um, we really, I, in the pandemic, we did partner a little bit to get some dry goods to go with our produce. Um, we saw that families were coming to get food, and some of them, this was the only food they were getting, and they told us, you know, we we wait for your food every week. And for us, we're like, okay, well, how can we make this stretch, knowing that there was, you know, families that were a little bit. Uh, larger size that we're coming to get this fresh produce. And so we partnered a little bit with um, the the food bank. We partnered with Sprouts and Chula Vista Eastlake. And then we had all these other uh, Jackie's Jams and we had this group that was baking bread. So we were able to really add value to our produce and add these recipes. So people were getting food, hopefully nutritious, great meals for the whole week, um, which was really great. But I think we work we work, we, you know, we're, we're, we're a collaborative organization. I think that's what helps us thrive. We just haven't worked as much with the food bank um, as, as maybe we could, but we're definitely um, working with lots of other great organizations to ensure that there's not only the access, but also the education. I think that's the really critical part too. You can give people food all day, uh, but if it's not something that they're used to eating and don't know what to do with it, then that, you know, it might go to waste. Yeah, and that's part of your educational process, I assume, as well. I see that you have a, a community of Indigenous women uh, coming to your program. Is that correct? Uh, we, we're we open to everybody. I'd say the majority of the, the folks that we work with um, in, in the community are um, Latinx. I, mm -hmm. I do think there are, you know, women from different um, parts of Mexico, um, some women that are indigenous uh, to Mexico, from Mexico that are working with us. Um, we definitely are trying to be as inclusive as we can. And we know that that means that we need to work on, you know, how we market our programs, the language that we're using in our programs. Um, we'd actually just had a whole session internally about what that looks like so we can have the farthest reach to ensure that everybody in our community feels welcome and valued at olive wood so that's definitely something that we're we're working through and so so i would assume that your recipes are uh, uh latino recipes so that the people can use fresh food as part of their um because i think um you know what we say as latinos in the community when we look at nutrition is that um and i worked as a nutrition educator in for farm workers is what we try to do is keep to their cultural base and the influence of american food like you said fast food um, and sugar and uh, white flour and all of that is probably the influence towards uh, bad health. And so trying to keep to that indigenous work or uh, cultural um, base of their recipes is probably a, a strength that you have. Yeah, I think that's that's the most important. And I think that's what makes the, the Cooking for Salud program specifically so powerful is the idea is in that we're trying, we're not trying to teach a specific diet. We really want people where whatever their culture or background or it is to be able to feel confident cooking food that they're already comfortable eating and just adding adding those healthy twists and so i think that's a really important point and something that lots of the kitchenistas bring you know their traditional recipes whether it's um i mean there's so many different recipes on our website that have been kind of honed by the kitchenistas and um 
to make things a little bit healthier. We also have in National City a, a pretty um, rich Filipino population mm -hmm. as well. And so mm -hmm. for us, we we are trying to do our best to figure out how we can best work with that community as well, because we don't want things to seem like they're only, you know, only uh, have this Latinx influence, but that Absolutely. they also can be influenced um, by whatever ethnicity or whatever culturally relevant food people are eating. And so we're we're hoping to dig a little deeper there and be able to build build those relationships to make sure that we are truly open to everybody. Well, National City is a multicultural community, and you know you have a lot of influence from the naval shipyard um, with communities coming to San Diego over the Definitely. many many decades. Um, I saw that you have an event coming up. Is that true? We do. That's <laughs> we do have a big event coming up that we're actually really excited about. Um, we do a lot of programs. I think. Olivewood at our core, we have these core programs that we've talked a little bit about our, you know, our program with our elementary students, our program with our Cooking for Salute and Kitchenistas, and then we have um, a high school program as well. But one of the other things we do is we try to, you know, invite people to come to, to Olivewood through different avenues. Um, and one of those is these adult cooking classes. And so we have one coming up on October 21st, and it's called Celebrating Cultura uh, with the Kitchenistas. And it's a partnership with Maker's Mark. So um, Maker's Mark is kind of sponsoring and supporting this event. And the idea is that it's celebrating culture. One of our kitchenistas who is um, also a trained chef, pastry chef, and also just a phenomenal chef in general, Nema Rennie. She'll be leading that class with some other kitchenistas, doing some Q&A, um, and then just enjoying this really delicious dinner, appetizers, full meal, dessert. And then, of course, it's paired with drinks. And for people who don't drink, there's there's alternatives as well. So we're not trying to get everybody to drink alcohol, but it is sponsored by Maker's Mark and supported by them. But it's going to be a really, a really great day. And those are really important for nonprofits to be able to do your fundraising, because I'm sure that's part of, you know, trying to keep your organization um, thriving and also being able to continue to do your service. So where would they get tickets to your event on October 21st? Yeah. So if you go to our website, it's uh, www.olivewoodgardens.org. And we have an upcoming events. Um, actually, it's a pop-up on our website. So if you go there, you'll see it immediately. Um, we do have it, um, the information in English and Spanish. We have a QR code that's available. So folks can just click on that to get the information in Spanish. Our registration is also English-Spanish. So we are trying to ensure that people have access if they want to come to this program. Um, and then you can also see all the other events coming up. Uh, we have open houses once a month. So we do, I think we have one coming up even this this Saturday uh, where folks can come and do a tour of the property, learn a little bit more about our programs, see what's growing in the garden. And then we do programs for youth. Probably our, our this become our most popular uh, add-on program is called our Chefcitos program. And it's for kids that are between six and 14. And it's just a cooking, not just, but it is a cooking class for kids. And it's wildly popular. They sell out far in advance. And so that's been really exciting. And then we have another program we do called Talls and Smalls. And it's for an adult and a child between two and five. It can be any adult, any child. I mean, hopefully somehow you know the child. And <laughs> you can show up and just do a tour of the garden, some simple tasting. It's really kind of a sensory tour. I think they read a book and just learn some really basic gardening and, you know, nutrition kind of fun facts. And it's a great way to get out, out of the house with your child and do something new and get to touch, taste, feel, all kinds of things going on. 
Oh, that's wonderful, Jen. And so what do you think the future of your program is? What kind of ideas do you have and dreams for uh, Hollywood? Yeah, first, I want to say that uh, we have a phenomenal staff and volunteer and intern crew. And so we're so lucky that we have people that are experts in what they are doing. Uh, we have a lot of kitchenistas on staff that are not only running our Cooking for Salud program, but are also supporting kitchenistas, working in our garden, working in other um Parts. One of them is our uh, one of our past kitchenistas is our our communications manager. So we we are um, we have this really robust staff that's always looking to the future and ensuring that what we're doing is is sustainable first and foremost, but also innovative and that we're staying on on you know the cusp of what's going on. I think at Olivewood, I mentioned our elementary program. We're we're not only serving students at Olivewood Gardens, we're also managing the school gardens and national school district. We have two educators that are in the schools working with TK through sixth grade. So all TK through sixth graders in national school district are going through our program at least three times a year. They're using the school garden to learn, you know, science and math and reading and language skills alongside with all the important nutrition and environmental science. I see that program really continuing to build and grow. We are trying to get more healthy food to the school district. So we are growing some food that goes on the school salad bars. We're hoping eventually our school gardens start to be more, grow more robustly as well. And so really being able to supplement some of that food, not only at the school salad bars, but also for parents and families as well. That program is I, I think in five years, I hope we really see some strong results of more kids that are eating differently, that are growing more food at home, um, and that are influencing their families and communities of just what they've been learning through time. I also just imagine that different uh, trends in schools in general are going to change because these students are such, such ambassadors for health and for environmental um, issues. Um, our Cooking for Salute program is is so important. We have, like I said, nearly 400 kitchenistas now. And I just, they're back, you know, pandemic kind of stopped some of our community outreach, but they're starting to get back in the community and really showcase not only what they've learned through our programs, but the other amazing skills they have as well. And I really see our Cooking for Salute program, you know, ideally in a perfect world, it would be a place where hospitals could, um, tell patients that are pre-diabetic or have other diet-related health conditions to go through our program. I think it's probably the best uh, education on, on how to make healthy changes because it's not only, you're not only learning uh, the nutrition side, but you're also building a community. So your support is just built right in. And I think that that is so critical um, as we grow. And then we have this really great high school program and high school students are our future in terms of what kind of jobs they're going to get, how they're going to make decisions on what, what they're buying as they're going into adulthood. Um, you know, whatever, whatever career or school that college students choose, or excuse me, high school students choose after school, you know, they're going to have these skills on growing healthy food, learning how to cook in a, a different way, and they're going to start shopping with their wallet as well. And so I'm hoping that we see in the next five, 10 years, you know, some some really uh, robust changes in terms of health, not only in National City, but what's available in the community for the residents in terms of healthy food access. Well, it's wonderful that you're really youth-based because it sounds like the young people are the ones that kind of really influence the direction of the of your organization. And so on behalf of Healthcare Untold, any last comments? No, I just want to say thank you. I think when you mentioned youth, that is so important. The youth are coming through our programs. 
as elementary students and they're showing back up as high school students and they're showing back up at Cooking for Salute and becoming Kitchenistas. So we've been around long enough that we've seen students go through this whole program and they see the value in it. They want to be Kitchenistas. They know that that's like the next step for them. And so I think that is so critical that we do need to start with the youth uh, educating people as soon as we possibly can. But those adults, it's so critical as well. And so seeing that full circle at all of what has been really impactful and important, I think, for the next generation to see see what's what's happening. Well, we're so honored to have you, Jen. And we really want to thank you for all the work that you're doing and leading this organization. Um, today is our great guest, Jen Nation, the Executive Director of Hollywood Gardens and Learning Center. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me and for talking about all of it and the important work that we're doing. You're doing great work. And thank you for, uh, you know, supporting the communities of, of National City. Thank you. Healthcare Untold. Healthcare Untold. Healthcare.